It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome on into episode six of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast on NJ.com. We're back for a sixth episode here. Thank you for listening so far, and uh, we hope you enjoy this one. And this time we have the whole crew back together again. Joe Giglio with you. Nick Powell's back with us. How you doing, Nick? I'm good, man. Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry to have missed uh, last week's episode. That was. Uh, well, we're glad he's back, Joe, right? Because we need that rating spike. We do, and there's Jordan <laughs> with us here. So Joe, Nick, and Jordan talking some Giants football with you as we have every week for the past now six weeks. Uh, and guys, we're at the, um, the part of the offseason here where it gets a little quiet football-wise, but it's never totally quiet. And uh, last week, Michael Irvin was talking about the NFC East handicapping and saying DeMarco Murray has shifted the balance of power away from the Cowboys to the Eagles. And uh, when he was talking, he left the Giants out of the discussion. Now, they've had back-to-back losing seasons, so obviously the Eagles and Cowboys are going to be at the top of the discussion. But right now, as we sit here, you know, towards the middle of May, how far are the Giants back of those two teams, in your opinion? So let's start with Jordan. Well, here's the thing about the Eagles. I mean, when you look at the Eagles, you just – me personally, I don't know where the heck the Eagles are. Uh, now the Cowboys, I think, are significantly ahead of everybody because they're at more advanced offensively than any other team in this division. Now the Giants can be in that level offensively. Uh, the question is, how good is their offensive line? I think that's what it's going to come down to here. So I'm going to put them not a very far behind, but a, a decent distance behind right now until further notice because you don't know what their offensive line is. Uh, now, granted, they essentially have three new starters when you're looking at, okay, well, Eric Flowers, he's going to start somewhere, probably right tackle. Uh, you're you're going to throw in Weston Richburg at center. I'm going to consider him a total new player because, you know, he was at guard last year as a rookie, so he's going to now be at center. And Jeff Schwartz is going to be scheduled to be back. As long as those three guys are there, we basically have three-fifths, three fifths, 60% new offensive line for the Giants now. Can they gel and be really good? Then the Giants, all of a sudden, I think they they could be in that level of the Cowboys because they have some weapons around where they could be a, a team in that level. Uh, but and with the on the other side of the ball, they're kind of like the Cowboys, mediocre defensively. The hope is that they'll be better special teams wise. They got they took some of the Cowboys' strength and put it on their roster in that regard. So. If the Giants could be as good as the Cowboys offensively, which I don't see right now then they'll be comparable to the Cowboys in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty much on the same page as Jordan. I think it's it's the Cowboys and then everybody else. I think the the notion that the Eagles are, you know, going in as, as the the favorite for the, you know, for the one of the wild card spots or, or you know, the second place in the division, 
Um, I think it's a little bit of a stretch. I mean, we have no idea what Sam Bradford's going to give them this year. He's a complete question mark in my in my eyes. You know, coming off those knee surgeries, and I have no really idea what the entire team's going to do. It's so new. I mean, it's crazy. Well, yeah, right. No, no, not just Bradford. It's it, it's it's a lot of lot of new pieces, a lot of moving parts. Um, I, I I disagree completely with Michael Irvin about Demarco Murray. I don't think he'll make any difference uh, on the Eagles. I mean, I think he's going to do what he does, and the Eagles have a good offensive line. He should put up his numbers, but I don't think Murray alone is going to carry the Eagles to a division crown or anything like that. Um, but as far as the Giants go, I think I mean I I agree with Jordan in the sense that I think the offensive line will really need to come together for them to be as as potent as they could be offensively. Um, they could potentially have a real you know really good offense, um, possibly you know top ten quality, top five quality if everything really shakes out well. Um, to me, the the real question mark is on the defensive end. Um, I think. You know, the, there's a lot of question marks in the secondary, not just the safety, which has been kind of the, you know, the, the popular, um, you know, kind of problem point for the Giants this offseason, but I think the cornerback depth, and, I, you know, I've harped on this a little bit on the podcast, but I think it really does leave a lot to be desired, and they're counting on guys like Mike Harris, Tremaine McBride as kind of their their depth guys behind Prince and uh, and DRC at the corner, I think that's that's you know that's a real those are two real question marks. Those are pretty unproven guys um, as far as you know carrying or uh, holding a roster spot for the full season and really being you know solid contributors. And then defensively, I think in the front seven, I think that they've, they've improved. Um, guys like JT Thomas, Jonathan Casillas will help their linebacker depth. I think if they can get you know, even 13 games, 14 games out of John Beeson this year, that'd be a huge help. Um, but, you know, there's still some question marks on the defensive line. You know, what are they What are they going to do at the defensive tackle position next to Jonathan Hankins? Who's going to kind of take, uh, you know, take control of that left defensive end position opposite JPP? Is it going to be Ayers, who's more of a pass-rushing guy, or Demontre Moore is a similar skill set? Will a guy like uh, Owa Odigazua kind of take control of that job? Um, you know, is he? I'm sure he's going to be groomed for it down the road. Um, or a guy like George Selvey. I think there's there's just there's a lot of question marks on that side of the ball. And look, they had one of the worst ranked rush defenses in the league last year. If they can't stop the run, they're not going to have any success. This year, when think. you have four or five spots, look, you're mentioning four or five spots, Nick. That and this is exactly your point. Four or five spots where we essentially don't even know who the starter is and who's going to be the guy that to to uh, you know, log majority of the playing time. You talk about safety. You talk about nickel corner. You talk about left defensive end. The other defensive tackle spot next to Jonathan Hankins. Where how much you know, Cullen Jenkins. When you're naming the linebacker spots, like four or five spots out of eleven on defense is being sort of up in the air. I think that says right. it all. Right. Exactly. And so you know, as good as they could be offensively, and look, you know, there's been there have been teams that there have been playoff teams that are completely one-sided. You know, really good offensive teams and not good at all on the defensive side. So if that's the blueprint that they're going for, it could work. But they also have, you know, they've got two pretty good teams that they're going to be in contention with in the Eagles and Cowboys, who are a little bit ahead of them at this point. Like we said, you know, we're talking about the Cowboys. You know, they were that team that was, you know, completely one-sided pretty much last year. Their their defense's job was just, they're, you know, just supposed to be okay enough to support their offense. And you look at the Giants and the Cowboys right now, and I, you know, you say, which offense would you rather have? And if I'm the Giants, I would trade my entire offense right now for the Cowboys' offense. I mean, better offensive line, as good as Odell Beckham is, Des Bryant is just as good, uh, you know, on the other side. 
quarterback-wise, I'm at this point in their career. I mean, worst is a trade-off, of, you know. So for me, I, I mean, I just like I would like the Cowboys if, if you said which offense would I rather have. So that's yeah, the teams. And until the Giants show they're good, they're going to be better on special teams. It has been a weak point. It's been a major weak point for them, but special teams, the Eagles were great at that last year, and we're talking about the offenses here in the NFC, guys, and we, Murray, DeMarco Murray's departure from the Cowboys and landing with the Eagles was clearly why this whole thing came up with Michael Irvin, and now we're talking about it here, and, and the hierarchy of the NFC East. You know, you both seem to like the Cowboys better right now, and I agree with you in terms of the uncertainty with the Eagles. You don't know what you're going to get. You don't know if Bradford's going to stay healthy. But how good are the Cowboys going to be without Murray? It was How much of that was the offensive line last year, his success? I mean, that offensive line, we know it was great, but he was the offensive player of the year. Are we just saying, or do we think, that they're going to be able to run the football as effectively or almost as effectively, even though he's in Philadelphia now? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Murray's, uh, you know, I, I don't mean to diminish what Murray brings to the table when I said I don't think he's going to make that much of a difference. He's a really good back, and he's always been a good back. Um, you know, I mean, but we also have to keep in mind, the in 2013, he was just over 1,000 yards. Oh, yeah, I think a little over 1,100 yards. Good yards per carry, always, always you know, gets good chunks of yardage. Um, but before that... Before that year, he never rushed over a thousand yards. He never actually really came that close. Um, and so I, just, I do think we have to take it a little bit, of, take with take it with a little grain of salt that he had as good a year as he did in uh, in 2014. I mean, that line is just stacked. I mean, you got three or you know three Pro Bowlers, four Pro Bowlers on that on an offensive line. You could I could run for a thousand yards behind that. I mean, you know those those running lanes. If you if you watch the Cowboys play last year, were pretty. We're pretty wide, um, so you know the Eagles' offensive line is very good. I think you know, like I said, I think Murray will will still do well. I, I would be surprised if he didn't rush for over a thousand. But to think that he's going to come close to two thousand yards again, I think is is a big stretch. And I just I just don't see, you know, I just I just don't see him having the same kind of impact for the Eagles that he did with the Cowboys. But maybe I don't know. What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, when I I'll come out and flat out say it, I really just I think that they'll be able to slap it together and be almost as good in the running game with, you know, three average running backs, each of them maybe playing a different role or whatever, because that's just the way this league goes. I mean, if your offensive line is good, you know, you can run the football, uh, whether, you know, uh, those yards after contact, maybe it'll go down, but you know, this will still be a very good running team, the Dallas Cowboys. I, I just can't see, uh, you know, with the way, with the success that different guys in this league have running the football, and as many, you know, the Denver Broncos were a perfect example. I mean, they could just plug a different guy in there every year, seemingly for like 10 years, no matter who it was, Mike Anderson, Clinton Porters. I mean, you name it. They would, you know, rotate guys and they would all be good. And I, I think if you're the Dallas Cowboys and you have that kind of line, they'll be just fine running the football without DeMarco Murray. And I like DeMarco Murray. But, uh, you know, that's just the way this league goes. You can find running backs who can run the football. Can they block is a different story. Just ask Tom Coughlin. He won't put you on the field if you can't block there. So as we talk about the Giants and the NFC East and you know, the Cowboys and Eagles, how this whole thing stacks up, Jordan, I think you had the piece on NJ.com looking at where some of the you know, national perspective has put the Giants right now in terms of power rankings, post-draft power rankings. And this is all just chatter. We haven't even gotten to the field yet or training camp or anything like that. But right. I'm looking at them right now, and I see 23, 23. Uh, one of them had 16. That was Fox Sports. But every other one of them, I think you had – 
Yeah, 21, 19, you know, that's sort of the range that they were falling in. So the, so the bottom half, the second half of the NFL, if you guys were to do it right now, if you were to put together power rankings you know, tomorrow morning and you were going to put the Giants in context of the rest of the NFL based on the offseason, the draft, is, is that kind of the range you'd have them in? And, you know, last year I think, you know, you, you put it in the piece, Jordan, if you looked at their record compared to the rest of the league, they would have been 23-24 when the season ended type of thing. Yeah, I mean, if I did it, I would put them a little better than 23-24. They've improved a little bit. Uh, they're going to be just healthier. I mean, that that by itself should should make this team better. Uh, but, you know, I'm not going to go and say this, automatically just jump this team based on their additions this offseason and say this is a top 10-ish team or even a top 12 team. I mean, I would probably be in the 16 to 20 range, somewhere around there right now. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that. 16 to 20, I think, is probably a good spot for them. Because they're kind of in this, like, you know, they're kind of in that in-between, you know, they're not, we're not quite ready to, you know, to bet the house on them that they're going to, you know, could compete for a, for a playoff spot, for a wild card spot, or the division. You know, they, they didn't, they didn't, I, to my mind, they just didn't improve enough at the areas they really, really needed to improve at this offseason um, so that, you know, you account for some improvement internally, you know, just in the second year of, of a new offense, and um, you like what they did offensively last year towards the end especially. So, you know, you kind of you take all of that into consideration and, and the growth of some of their young guys. But there's just, you know, as we've outlined, there's just too many question marks on, on both sides of the ball, their offensive line and then on that, you know, several possessions of defense. Just everywhere. I mean, just think about it. I mean, there's so many question marks everywhere on this team. It's like, you you know, I can make a case that the Giants could be really good. I can make a case that the Giants could be really bad. And the reason is because when I look at their team and I look at the roster and I look at where they have, there's so many ifs. If Victor Cruz is back to his old self, you know, if Eli Manning really, you know, is going to be better in the second year of this offense, if that offensive line really is much better. Right, uh, if Rashad Jennings can stay healthy, you know. If they have enough at safety, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, if their linebackers are so – I can name three linebacker spot basically, which I could put an if next to, you know. Right, <laughs> so, right. There's just so many ifs on this team. If Larry Donnell, even guys like that, if, he, if that was, you know, really the way he's trending and he's going to keep going up, uh, trending upwards. I mean, these are all questions. I mean, the Giants, they don't have many givens when you look at this team right now. I mean, when the one thing that really pops out to me you think a given is, okay, I have Odell Beckham, and that's my one. The one thing I know that I can count on and I'm going to get. Now, I'm not really sure what else when I look around this team. Yeah, I'm not either. And I think that's probably why I think this training camp coming up this summer is going to be so much fun, I think, to talk about the Giants because so much is going to change and happen and kind of evolve in front of us here. So let's assign some you know, thumbs up. Let's assign some positive thoughts to some of these under-the-radar players that we should watch this summer. Maybe some you think are going to do well or some we just have big question marks about. I mean, we know about Beckham. We know about Eli. We know about how the stars have to play on this team, JPP as well, and, and that's going to be a big part of if they're good or not. But a lot of times, you know, you guys know, a 7-9 and nine team can go to 9-7 and seven, or 8-8 and eight can go to 10-6 and six on the back of, three or four players that have good seasons you didn't expect. So give me a player or two that, that you think are under the radar right now that we should watch. I'll start with mine. He's, maybe he shouldn't be under the radar because he's one of two or three backs they're going to use a lot, but I think Andre Williams could have a big season for them. I know it's Jennings' job, and I know Vereen's here to catch the ball in the backfield, but I liked what I saw to him running the football towards the end of last year, and I think he could have a big role um, you know, in his second year now 
as a running back for them. So I'll go Andre Williams for my first one. Give me a couple names. Let's start with Jordan. Well, Nick wrote about this a little bit the other day. I'm going to go with Mike Harris. I mean, they liked what they saw with him last year. He played well in the second half of the season. I really think he could win that nickel cornerback job. And when you're a nickel cornerback in this league, you're essentially a starter. You're going to play 60% of the snaps or so, maybe even 70 in some games. I think he can make a significant impact on this team. Uh, and, you know, he got to continue playing at the level that he played last year. So, uh, you know, but that's a guy I think is definitely worth keeping an eye on. Also, Marcus Harris is another guy. Like, uh, last year, Marcus Harris w- was going to be a significant contributor on offense the way everything was panning out early in the season. He might have even been one of the starters. Uh, you know, somebody told me along the way that he was their best wide receiver in training camp and preseason. And by the way, Victor Cruz was still healthy then, and so was Ruben Randall. So they thought that he was playing better than those two guys at that point. I'm not sure he would have taken either of those two spots. But remember, Beckham was hurt, so he probably would have been their third receiver. And uh, I really think if he, he has a chance to come back and make a significant impact on this team. Could make Ruben Randall expendable, really. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, actually, one of the free agent signings that might have been kind of my my low key favorite of the of the off season was Kenrick Ellis, um, the the big nose tackle from the Jets. Um, he really didn't get too much of a of an opportunity for for playing time with the Jets. Um, kind of just some spot some spot time on running downs. Uh, it was you know it's kind of kind of a classic three four nose tackle, really big guy like six four three thirty. Um, something like that, or his, or his measurements. Um, but you look that that spot. We talked about that spot earlier, next to Hankins on the defensive line at tackle. It's wide open uh, to my to, in my mind. I mean, you know, Cullen Jenkins will probably have the edge. Coughlin likes his veterans, so he'll probably you know go into training camp at least as the presumptive starter. But you know, he's he's what 33, 34 at this point. He's always kind of banged up. He's not a guy you can necessarily rely on as a three down. Uh, lineman anymore. So for a guy like Ellis, whose strength is stopping the run, and that's a big weakness for the Giants' uh, defensive line or just defense in general, I think you know there's a real opportunity for him to to seize that job and and potentially be the you know the starter at least for on first and second down. Um, and then I guess going more towards the uh, I guess more in the linebacker crew. Um, I like Devin Kennard a lot. I mean, maybe he's not, you know, as, as under the radar anymore because he kind of came on pretty strong at the end of last year. But he's kind of a, a key guy for me in, in that front seven. Um, you know, really, really good burst off. What's that? He can rush the passer. He's a really yeah, that, exactly a benefit to the pass rush is the fact yep. that you can give him that regard. I, you know, that, that's why I kind of agree with you there. Yeah, no, really, you know, good, good, quick first step. You know, good burst off the edge. Uh, they didn't really have much pass rushing production from their linebackers until Kennard got in the lineup and and I think got three or four sacks in the last five games. Um, so look, if he can match that production over a full season with a starter's workload, then they've they've got a real player at linebacker. And and he's a good kid. He's a smart kid. Uh, the coaching staff likes him. He works hard. He you know he picked up the playbook really fast. Um, you know, not many fifth-round picks come in and are contributors right away as rookies. So I think that speaks well for him going into year two. Yeah, I mean, along those lines of a guy like that, also, I mean, he's he's not a, a little name, but uh, Rashad Jennings, and you say this about him all the time, 
is if he can be healthy, Rashad Jennings is a guy who could have a really big year if he's ever fully healthy, especially if that offensive line is improved. Look, even when their line had their problems last year, he was averaging a good four yards a carry early in the season before he got injured. So if, I mean, huge if, again, this is what we're talking about, but huge if, if Rashad Jennings could be healthy, he's sort of an under-the-radar guy who we look back and be like, wow, you know, he had a great season and he can be maybe one of their most uh, dominant and influential players when you look back on it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens if he actually gets some, you know, good luck. I mean, I don't know how else to say it and actually is able to stay healthy. Jordan, you mentioned, you mentioned Jennings. I mentioned Andre Williams. We know they brought in Vereen. You know, as we look at the, the offense now, guys, and we think about their running backs, I mean, they have three guys you, you'd like in different situations. Jennings is the one they gave money to a few years ago, and he's the presumptuous starter, assuming he's healthy like you're talking about there. How do you think they're going to split it up? I think that's an interesting question because all three of them I could see playing different roles and, and helping out, and it's a long season. You know you need more than a back or two or three. Uh, but if they're all healthy on a Sunday – do you think it's going to be the hot hand? Do you think it's going to be the game plan? Or is this Jennings' job and then the other guys kind of fall in place behind them? Well, last year it was Jennings' job. Now, granted, Andre Williams is one year now further advanced. But I still think that if Jennings is healthy, he's more complete back, that that Tom Coughlin in the offense will be more likely to use him as the as the guy with Vereen sort of as, a, you know, the passing, the passing down kind of guy or – something along the lines, not strictly third down back. I don't want to say that because I think he'll be used more than that. So I think Andre Williams' role, as long as the other two are healthy, is more as a goal line type back uh, for now. And uh, But, of course, it's running back. So at some point that's going to change. That, In my opinion, that would change, and he'll, he'll you know grab a bigger role, and we'll see how he does in that role. But in a perfect world, everyone's healthy. I think he's the, you know, Andre Williams is more of the power, uh, third and short, fourth and short kind of guy, goal line guy. You got Jennings as your your every down back, and and Vereen as your passing down back. Yeah, no, I don't have much to add to that. I, I think that's probably how it's going to shake out. I think the 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 thing that the Giants are going to see with their running backs this year is that. Uh, and Jordan and I have talked, and have talked about this, is all three of their backs, their top three backs, are kind of similar style players. They don't really have the, you know, the kind of shifty speed back that a lot of teams have in their, on their running back depth chart. Um, you know, they've got a couple guys that they're going to bring into camp, you know, Orleans, Darkwa, you know, Akeem Hunt, the undrafted signee out of Purdue, um, who kind of fit that mold, but they're, you know, they're starting off the fourth and fifth on the depth chart. They have a ways to go to climb up that. Um, so I think that's that's going to be interesting to see. They don't really have that change of pace. Vereen's, you know, kind it's of a little a more. I mean, more than Peyton Hillis at least. But uh, you know, like yeah, so yeah. at least they're trending in the right direction. You know, definitely. But, definitely. And Vereen's yeah. going to be a huge help. I, I think that's if if Ellis was kind of my low key favorite, Vereen was my my clear favorite signing. I think most people would agree that there was a real need for them to have. That re- that really good receiver out of the backfield. Even though Jennings is a good good receiver too, but that's that's really Vereen's uh, skill set, and just having the guy who can catch screen passes and those kind of you know go go out in the flat and 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 you know and for for short gains, I think that's that's exactly the role he's going to fill for the Giants. All right, let's go to some Twitter questions here, guys. We had one come in from I Bleed Big Blue, one of our favorite listeners of this podcast, and he said there's a lot of wide receiver depth, which we talked about a few minutes ago. Who do you think will be the odd man or two out? And then off of that, 
Uh, we'll talk about the, just the wide receiving core in general, which NFL.com had a, a piece just recently ranking it the fifth best wide receiving core in the NFL, which I read it, I saw it, I was like, I didn't think of it in that context. I, I didn't put them up there in that context, but maybe if you think about it with the names they have, if they're healthy, they could be in there. First, let's start with who's the odd man. I mean, they do have some depth here, especially when you go back to last summer, what a guy like Corey Washington did, and now we don't really talk about him. Well, Corey Washington's problem, I think, is going to be he's got to prove he could be a contributor on special teams because if he's the fourth receiver at best, you know, you know, you have Beckham, Cruz, Cruz, of course, if he's healthy, another if, as we've been saying pretty much every the whole this whole podcast, uh, you know, Cruz, Be- uh, Beckham, and Randall, you know, at best, Corey Washington's number four. You're the number four receiver. You got to be a special teams contributor. He wasn't one, much of one last year, so he has something to prove. But the really the odd man out for me is Preston Parker. He's a guy, look, he had a solid season last year, greatly outperformed expectations from what you expected of him, uh, contributed on special teams, uh, was pretty much their third receiver most of the second half of the year, made some tough catches. But, you know, they brought in Dwayne Harris, and there's a guy who is going to take over that special teams role. So that's one less spot you're going to have as a wide receiver, and that kind of pushes Preston Parker out first and foremost in my eyes. So he's going to be one guy that has a, really is going to have to have a big summer and spring in order to stick. Yeah, I did uh, today. I kind of handicapped the the Giants roster. You know, obviously, way probably way too early uh, to be to be doing this, but um, never I think too early, Nick. Never too early. Come exactly. on. <laughs> Giants fans are ready the day the season ends. Talk oh, about I I, I'm doing my mock draft 2016 right now, fellas. So. <laughs> oh, God. Even just the words mock draft make me twitch. Um, but anyway, so I was kind of just trying to figure out, though, that, and that's that wide receiver to me is one of the hardest positions to figure because, you you know, you got your, your top four pretty much set with Beckham, uh, Randall and Cruz, if healthy, and then Dwayne Harris, um, you know, whether he has a big role in offense, I'm skeptical of that myself. Um, but he's, you know, he's a wide receiver by trade at least, so he's on that depth chart. After that, I'm not sh- really sure how it's going to shake out because it kind of depends how they view Harris, Dwayne Harris, that is. Uh, you know, is he, if they really do think he's going to be a guy that can be a, a part of the offense, then maybe they only go with, you know, five receivers. But if they, want another couple of guys who can who can you know actually just be you know receivers and special teams contributors not necessarily in the return game but just in coverage and stuff like that um, I think guys like Marcus Harris Preston Parker Corey Washington are going to be battling out for and Jeremy Davis the draft pick in the sixth round this year are going to be battling out for those uh, those final two or three spots uh, so I, it really I'm, I'm not really sure who the odd man's out, odd man out is going to be I think uh, my my take was that Corey Washington is going to be that guy this year. Um, he just didn't show enough on special teams to really be, you know, a gunner or somebody in that kind of role. And even though, you know, he's got the height and, and kind of the, the physical frame that you like in a, you know, potential possession receiver or something like that, he's just got too many guys in front of him to really elevate to that role. Um, so you Jordan picked Preston Parker. I, I, I thought Parker might made it off the strength of his, you know, knowledge of of McAdoo's system and his production last year. Um, but I, th- I think it's going to be Washington is going to be the odd man out in that. I mean, in they're going to go, I mean, they're going to go heavy on receiver. Cause like you said, I think Dwayne Harris can be viewed almost as a special team or, uh, you know, as like a third special team player along or fourth with the long snapper kicker punter kind of deal. So, you know, 
I would I would expect them to go heavy, especially with Cruz early in the season. Um, uh, I was going to say someone of them an, an unknown, but he's definitely an unknown. I mean, there's no way to, around it until he starts playing early in the season. So that's a spot where you're going to have to go get a little extra insurance, and, and so I expect them to go at least six deep at wide receiver early in the season. They certainly have the depth there, and we'll see, like you're saying there with Cruz, and it's going to be a theme, I think, on our podcast here all summer long, what if and if and, and when he's healthy and when he's back to 100%. But, you know, if that happens and he does get back there, you know, I was looking at this list. This is the way NFL.com broke it out. It had the Packers at one. Obviously, we know Nelson and Cobb. It had the Broncos at two, even, they, even though they lost uh, Thomas, Julius Thomas to the Jaguars. They had the Colts at three, also adding a first-round wide receiver and Andre Johnson. It had the Lions at four with Calvin Johnson, Golden Tate, and then the Giants at five. Your first reaction to that, are the Giants one of the top five wide receiving cores in the NFL? I didn't think so, and then I saw it, and I said, well, Cruz, Beckham, Randall, the depth, you could make a case that they're right, you know, kind of in that discussion, five, six, seven. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit... Skeptical? Yeah. I mean, look, I think if we're just going off of potential then sure, maybe they, they could be in that top five, top ten conversation. But it's kind of the theme of the podcast. There's question marks all up and down the depth chart after Beckham. Um, and that includes Randall. Randall had a, a, you know, a, a good got season. Got benched twice. What's that? Got benched twice last year. Yeah, right, exactly. Got benched twice last year. The numbers on the face of it don't look that bad. Actually, his catch total improved. Actually, I think he improved in just about every category. But – you know, he clearly kind of fell out of favor with the coaching staff. There's always some effort questions with Randall. Some um, of the numbers also, let's be honest, were because they didn't have anyone else healthy. So he was getting so many balls thrown his way early in the year. I mean, his catch percentage was, wasn't high. No, exactly. I was going to say that, right. It's, uh, it's a little bit deceiving when you see, you know, 70-plus catches or whatever he ended up with um, because he was only really catching a little over 50. I don't know. Was he even over 50% of those I targets? Know, I, mean, I think it was less. But anyway, yeah, you know, they weren't using him, in my opinion, to what his strength is, which is to get down the field and go up and get the football. They were trying to use him as their number one possession type receiver, which right. sort of, you know, worked against everybody there. Right, right. So if you, if you, you know, factor in Randall into the question marks, you have Cruz obviously coming off the injury, like, uh, to me, that leaves you got Beckham, who's great, obviously, but you know the rest of the guys. They're yeah, it's it's solid depth on paper, but I don't think any of those guys, aside from Parker, has over like 30 catches for a season. So what what do you really, you know? I guess I don't I don't really necessarily see you know see the the kind of dynamic you know like weapons in the passing game that you, you you know the kind of other teams you mentioned where they at least at the very least have two quality receivers that they can that they know they can count on um in my mind the giants have one so yeah well here's one you go look at the washington redskins and you have pierre garçon and deshaun jackson you know you put that up against the giants and then at the this at this point i, I look at yeah, I would take the Redskins too, only because, look, if you tell me Victor Cruz is, is back healthy and back to the player he was two years ago, okay, then, may, then I have a completely different outlook on this whole thing. But I can't, with a clear mind, just assume that Victor Cruz, especially early in the season, the first half of the season, I think it's unrealistic to expect, is back at that level playing 
or at least counting on him being that level of player right away. So when I look at it, I almost view, even if Victor Cruz is healthy, I don't view him as Victor Cruz as everybody, you know, as everybody knows Victor Cruz just because, you know, this is a serious injury, and right away to expect that from him seems unrealistic to me. It might, if it happens, great. Everyone will love it. I mean, it'll be a great comeback story if that's the case. But until anybody sees it, I think it's it's sort of foolish to think that that's what you're getting with Victor Cruz. So when I put up, you know, an average Victor Cruz along with Randall, who has some potential, and then Beckham, who's a great player, I think you could find probably some better receiving cores out there. Like we said, like, you know, the Washington Redskins who have Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson out there, you know, Imagine if they had a quarterback last year. I mean, Deshaun Jackson put up good numbers even with no quarterback. Their quarterback play was horrific last year. So, uh, you know, we're just talking receivers, not receivers on their specific team and what they have working with. I think you could probably find better than the Giants right now, only because we don't know about Cruz. You're right. I think, we, I think, you know, when you think about it like that, you're right. And when you talk about the receiving cores independently of the quarterback – I'm not sure when they were putting together that list on NFL.com if it was in the back of their head, but if you think about the five names they threw out, the five teams they threw out for the first five, the quarterbacks are Rodgers, Manning, Luck, Stafford, and Eli. So, you know, quarterbacks that are pretty reliable you can count on. Meanwhile, I don't disagree, Jordan. You have to put the Redskins in that discussion, but they have a, such a question mark, still a quarterback. Right. So... Even though, even if you want to do it independently, in the back of your mind, I'm sure if you're doing one of those rankings or you're talking about receiving cores, the quarterback has to be part of it because who's getting them the football to make the plays? Yeah, I mean, I guess that has to be part of it. Uh, but, you know, if we're just talking about wide receivers independent of everybody, I mean, then that, that, that would completely change everything because there's guys that, that – there are some really good wide receivers out there that are sort of held back by their quarterbacks. I mean, we see it every year. Uh and uh, it's no different this year. I mean, you know, the Redskins, yeah, their wide receivers probably won't put up the best numbers, but it doesn't mean if you put them side by side and run around other receivers, they're not better than other teams' receiving court. All right, we'll end with this, guys. A Twitter question that came in asking, are the Giants done when it comes to free agency? Which usually teams are at this point, but there are those players who did not, for whatever reason, sign during the, you know, the normal free agent period in March or early April. And they're still out there. Uh, a tackle like Joseph Barksdale, who played for the Rams last year, was mentioned in the tweet. Uh, I think, believe Jermaine Gresham, the tight end, still out there. So some veterans who have been, you know, starting type of players in the NFL during their career, still floating out there. Do we think the Giants are, are finished with this roster in terms of, you know, veteran free agents before we get to training camp? We'll start with Nick. Yeah, I think they'll add a couple, a, a couple of more players uh, before before training camp, especially in the secondary and and cornerback being the the main position there. I was a little bit surprised um, that they didn't get in the mix with Kyle Arrington when the Patriots cut him last week, uh, just given the their need at nickel at nickelback and Arrington's you know history of pretty solid production, but maybe they were scared off about on you know the price tag or something like that, but. Um, I could see them definitely adding a body, a cornerback. Uh, I just don't think you can really go into training camp with, with the depth chart as it is. I mean, there are some guys also on the cornerback depth chart who probably have absolutely no chance of making the roster. I'm thinking about J. Ron Hosley and, and guys like that specifically. So, you know, you figure they'd bring in maybe a couple of veterans that could at least, you know, push, push the other guys in camp, you know, add to the competition at cornerback for those backup spots, uh, and obviously safety, too. I wouldn't be surprised if they added another body 
those are the two positions I would I would look at. Um, I don't know. Maybe Jordan has a couple other ideas in mind. Yeah, I just don't. I don't see it happening. I thought you know that could be a more realistic option, especially at the cornerback spot. But if that look, Kyle Arrington, decent player, you know, good contributor, guy who's been on some winning teams, had some good seasons. He was out there, and the Giants showed Zippo interest. So. You know, if they're not going to go after a guy like that, I'm just not sure they're going to go that veteran cornerback route. Uh, I just don't really see who's out there right now that they're they're really going to go after unless they have injuries. At this point, I think they're they're kind of content with what they have out there, barring uh, who knows, you know, an injury or an arrest or something that that, that really can upgrade them in regards to cornerback wise. So I think they're they're kind of going to be set at that spot. Uh, for better or worse, there'll be a couple. There'll be a couple Corey Washington types guys like that. Maybe they're coming in out guys that are like, you know, being cut from other rosters. Young guys, rookies who maybe they had scouted higher than other teams that'll, you know, fill out the very bottom of the ninety man. But aside from that, I, don't, I really don't see. I really don't see much in terms of additions or subtractions. I like that phrase you threw in there, Jordan, for better or worse. With this podcast, to wrap this one up, episode six has been about a lot of ifs that are going to be part of this uh, training camp coming up, and for better or worse, which could, be, uh, which could be a phrase to talk about the 2015 Giants. Well, I guess so. I mean, that, that'll give us a lot to talk about here in these next couple months, at least, because uh, nothing – I don't think there's, – there's not much we could say that we know for a fact with this team of where they're going. So uh, it, makes it, it makes it interesting for sure. And it makes there a lot of room for debate for uh, on all sides and for all for everyone who, who thinks it could be really good or guys with people who think they could be really bad. And there's both ends of that spectrum. Yeah, I think they could be anywhere from a you know a ten win team, solid wild card team to you know back in the in the top ten again. You know, five or six wins, maybe you know four wins if things just really just fall apart. Um, so I don't know. I mean, is that the biggest swing of any team in the NFL right now? I'm not sure, but I, I would have to think it's, it's definitely up there. Yeah, the amazing part when you think about it is their quarterback played really well last year, and they finished six and ten. Right. Exactly. That's, that's a scary. That's got to be a scary thought when you top when ten you, offense, literally tenth ranked offense by the end of the year, and and still with a six and ten record. So you can argue that it was, you know, maybe Eli's second. I think it was a good argument to be made that it was the second best year of his career, regular season wise, and then went six yeah. and ten. I think it was behind 2011. I think it was yep. the second best year of his yeah, career. Statistically, right. it was. Yeah. And they and they didn't have a winning record. So we just we just Not did close to a winning record. I mean, it was six and ten, and they had to finish strong to get there. Right, even if they won that last game, which a lot of people thought they were going to go in with the Eagles sputtering, they still only would have went 7-9. It wasn't like it was a big swing at the end. They, you're right, they played well. And um, they were they, racking up wins against some really bad teams last right. year. You know, really what, you know what? Teams do that all the time, even good teams. When they play, you know, they get they, – that's the good teams. A lot of these teams have finished well and have good records. It's because they had an easy schedule that year. Right, right. That's just the way it worked out. So, you know, you, gotta, you need a little luck. Every, every team gets it. Every, every – you know, a good team gets it in the season. It's going to be fun following along, guys. Uh, this was fun here, episode six. Uh, Nick, Jordan, thank you for uh, obviously being part of it. Jo- Nick, thanks for coming back here. Now we can get our ratings back and all our listeners back. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, you know. Yeah. Nick, we need Nick to hold us up, Joe. You know, we all, we all need it and uh, help us keep our job. So yeah, thank, carry thanks, the dead for, weight. thanks for attending, Nick. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with Episode 7 of Talk is Cheap on NJ.com.